Well, I'm just going to get started because it is 2 o'clock. And uh, does everybody have their journal? All right, the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is write your name on the front where it says name. That way, if you misplace it, uh, maybe you have a chance of getting it back. <laughs> uh, the reason this is important to me is because what you're going to learn today, you're going to get some tools that are going to help you as you continue your walk with God. And no matter what age you are, no, what, no matter what season you're in in your life, I hope you'll keep this journal and that uh, it will be a helpful tool to you uh, after you leave here today. So uh, I, will I will take you through the journal as we go. So I'm going to just jump uh, right into the opening part of my session. I was very blessed to be raised in a a uh, strong Christian home. My dad was a pastor. My mom was a musician. I don't remember much about being age five, but I remember being at church one night and hearing a men's quartet sing, and something about their words convicted my heart, and I knew I needed Jesus. And so I went home. I got down on my knees, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart, whatever that meant. I wasn't sure what that meant. Uh, but nonetheless, I did that. And as the years went on, uh, my parents taught me how to read my Bible, taught me how to pray. I knew it was important to have a relationship with God. Uh, but, you know, I still kind of wanted to do my own thing. And so as I got into high school and into my senior year, and I hope you don't mind, I'm just kind of transparent and say things like it is. Uh, I started dating a lot of guys, and uh, I started messing around physically, sexually, and I bought into the lie that as long as I didn't do it, <laughs> I was okay. And so my senior year prom night, uh, I went out with a guy, and we ended up being alone, and we went further than we had planned or even thought about. And the next day we got together, we prayed. I asked, we asked Jesus to forgive us. And then a few weeks later, my family packed up because my dad had been invited to pastor a church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So we moved from Tennessee to Pennsylvania uh, in June. And in August, I was going to become a freshman at Messiah College. And so I was really excited to go on with my life. And right before I was to leave for college, uh, come on in. You can just fill in here, and you need your journals for my uh, session. I'm right anywhere you want. And if you want to move back, you can move back, too. <laughs> if you're too close to me, I'll move back. <laughs> so anyway, I was just a couple weeks from going to school, and... I knew something wasn't right with me. I was sick, something was going on. So I asked my parents to take me to the doctor and they did. We were on our way to a picnic to welcome our family into the community. And I go into the doctor's office, lay down on the examining table. And there I hear the life altering words, young lady, you're pregnant. 
And I remember laying there on the examining table and saying to myself, I can't be. I just can't be. It doesn't happen to people like me. You know, that's just what went through my mind. The hardest thing was leaving that office and having to tell my dad, getting in the car and telling my dad I was pregnant. I was 17. And I was so ashamed of myself. I was so scared. I, I didn't know what to do. We were all in shock. We drove to the picnic. We tried to pretend everything was okay when it wasn't. I could only fake it for so long. I went and found our car, hid in our car, and just cried and cried and cried. And I will always remember being in the car all alone and my dad finding me. And he came, he got in the car, and he just held me and loved on me because he saw how broken I was. That night, we went home and we did the only thing we knew to do, and that was to get on our knees by their bed, and we prayed, and we asked God what to do. This is actually my diary from high school, and this is what I wrote that night after we prayed. It was August 16, 1974. I wrote, it's over. I thought my life was over. I'm pregnant. I don't understand why, but I am. Mom and dad are broke up. There are no words to express how I feel. Sick. How will my life turn out? I love my mom and dad. Well, my parents were very wise, and they told me that I had a tough decision to make. And when a young girl finds herself pregnant, she has four options. Roe versus Wade had just happened the year before, so there's the option of abortion. And in my self-righteousness, my senior year in high school, I wrote why you shouldn't get an abortion. You know, it's taken a life. Uh, I could get married, but I knew I wasn't going to do that. The guy was 16, and in Tennessee, that wasn't one of my options. But when a girl finds herself pregnant, it's either abortion, get married, be a single mom or place your child for adoption. Those are your choices. And you know what? Every one of those choices have consequences that go with you the rest of your life. And so even though I had written a paper on abortion, when I was in those shoes, I started listening to that voice of the enemy, the thief who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And I heard that little whisper, Anita, you have to get an abortion. There is no other way out of this mess that you have caused. You know, your dad's going to lose his new job, and uh, you're not going to be able to go to college, and, and no one will ever marry you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I listened to it long enough that I actually went to my parents, and I said, I think that's what i got to do. I feel like that's the only way out of this mess I've created got to get an abortion. And my dear parents, I'm so thankful that they cared more about me than, my, than their reputation. And they said to me very lovingly, they said, Anita, that is not one of your choices because we know how you'll feel years from now. 
And you know, maybe there's someone here who has experienced abortion. Please do not feel condemnation as I'm sharing this because in God's word, he says, if we are faithful, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, which means missing the mark when we mess up. He is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all, from all, everything. It's so amazing. So we, we come to him forgiven when we confess. But anyway, because my parents were loving and I knew that I needed to listen to them this time, I, I knew that I would not go that route. So there's a verse in Matthew where Jesus says, go into your closet and pray to your father in secret. So that is what I literally did. I went into my closet, I cried, I prayed, and I said to God, I was sorry, I disobeyed what he had taught in the word and asked his forgiveness, and then I said, help. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's best for this baby. And in that moment, I did not hear an audible voice, but in my heart, I felt God was saying to me that the best plan for my child would be to place my child in a loving two-parent home. And the reason I felt that was God speaking to me was the peace that came over my heart. There was just this peace. I couldn't explain. So I went to my parents and I said, I feel the best plan for my child is to place my child for adoption. So they said, okay, we'll support you and stand beside you. Well, I was naive, and I didn't know that over the next six months, as my baby was growing inside of me and my baby started kicking and I could see movement, that I would fall in love with this child. And the closer I got to my due date, the more I would cry to God and say, did I hear you right? Have you ever been in one of those moments where you wonder, did you hear God right? And as I cried out to him, I had the radio on and some man was speaking and I don't even know what he was talking about, but all of a sudden I heard one sentence and it's actually, you might, you might as well turn in your journal to page two where it says, it doesn't really have a two on it, but it says Anita's story seeking God. The first quote at the top, this is what I heard. Never doubt in the dark what you've learned in the light. Never doubt in the dark what you've heard in the light. And when I heard that statement, for me, I felt God was saying to me, Anita, when you were in the closet praying and asking me for wisdom, you were in my light. But now your emotions are taking you into the dark. And it's going to get darker so you hang on to what I told you in the light. So on uh, January 25th, 1975, I knew I was going to stick to the plan no matter what my emotions were telling me. My parents were able to go with me to the hospital. And you have to understand, back in the ancient days, most adoptions were closed. And I had been counseled to not see my baby or hold my baby. So I went into the hospital. I gave birth to a little girl. I heard her cry as I closed my eyes. 
I heard the nurses taking her out. I heard what she weighed, seven pounds and 13 ounces. And I'm gonna tell you the day I left the hospital without my baby was the hardest day of my life because I left a piece of me behind. But you know, in that moment of leaving the hospital with my dad, I remember being on a wheelchair, because that's how they make you leave the hospital, and getting on the elevator and heading out to our car. And I had kind of like this new understanding of God and why he gives commands in his words. You know, parents give commands to the children because they love them, and they're trying to protect them. And I realized for the first time that in, in God's word, the commands he gives us are because he loves us and he's trying to protect us. Because he doesn't want to see us hurt. And now I was bearing the consequences of, of disobeying him. But he saw the pain. And as I left the hospital, I knew God would be with me. I knew God would be with my baby. And I had to trust that he would pick the best mom and dad that would teach her how to love God. And I had to leave it all to him. So I had to make the choice to go on with my life. I eventually went to college, I got married, and God bless my husband and I with four kids, but you know, as the years went on and I had four children of, uh, of my own with my husband, I never forgot my daughter. I always wondered where she was, what does she look like? But you know, the thing I wondered most was, does she know how much I love her? There was no way for me to tell her. And that was so hard for me. And so one day I thought, you know what? I'm gonna call the adoption agency and I'm gonna update my records because I'm gonna make it easy for her. If she ever wants to find me, I'm making it easy. So I gave my married name, my address, my phone number, and it was in that conversation that the lady informed me that if I wanted to, I could start a file at the agency. They said, you know, you can write letters. Sorry, let me get my act together. They said, you can send letters in, pictures, and we'll put them in the file. And when she turns 18, legally, if she ever contacts them, they could give her the file. And so I was so excited that I had a way to tell her I loved her. Every single letter I wrote to her, I made sure she knew I loved her and that I wanted to have a relationship with her when she was ready. I didn't know if that would ever happen. I didn't know if she would ever want a relationship with me, to be honest. But at least there were letters there to tell her that I loved her and I wanted a relationship when she was ready. So the years went by, she turned 18, 19, 20, 21, and at 21, I finally just couldn't take it anymore because I thought, what if she's struggling with abandonment issues, rejection issues, and she's depressed and she doesn't know how loved she is and here's this file with letters telling her she's loved? I, I just couldn't take that. And so I called the agency 
And I said, I don't even know if this is possible, if it's legal, but is there a way you can find my daughter and just tell her there's a file? I just want her to know there is a file. And I'm not trying to force my way because, you know, you can't force a relationship, can you? No, you can't. So, uh, shockingly, they said to me, well, we can't promise, but, you know, we can try. So within a week, I got a phone call from them saying they had found my daughter. And I heard her name for the first time. It was Twyla. Just to hear her name was huge to me. They said she was married, which surprised me. I wasn't expecting that. And then the greater surprise was that she had just had a little girl herself. And so now I was a grandmother. And I was blown away, and they told me that uh, she needed time to process this thought. She needed to talk to her husband and her parents. She wasn't ready for the file yet. And so, uh, but they did tell me that she said she'd be willing to write me a letter, send it to the agency. They would call me when they got it so that I could know how she was doing. So some time went by, and finally I got the call. They said the letter had come. I was actually at work, and my dad <laughs> drove to the agency to pick up the letter. And uh, this is actually the original letter that came. When I got this letter, it was huge. Now think about it, I'd never seen her. I really didn't know much about her. And here I could see her handwriting. I could read her thoughts. And at the beginning of the letter, I learned the most important thing, that she loved the Lord Jesus. So God had answered my prayers and given her parents that loved the Lord and taught her how to have a relationship with God. I read this letter over and over and over because it was such a treasure. And I didn't know if I would ever get another one. You know, when you haven't seen someone, you wonder if they're real. And this letter was like, she's real. She's really out there somewhere. So some time went by. She eventually asked for the file. She read my letters, and after reading my letters, she was more open to the possibility of a relationship. So we began writing letters back and forth to each other, and within a few months, we both agreed we were ready to meet for the first time. And it was such an amazing uh, gift from the Lord the day that I got, a, got to meet my daughter that I got to put my arms around her and hug her, that I got to go bring her gifts and meet her husband and my first granddaughter. My parents came shortly after I met her, and they got to meet her, and then my husband came, and it was just a very joyful moment. And since that time, my, just to speed you up, my daughter... Had six, has six children, and I now have two great-grandsons uh, through them, and they are gracious. They allow me to be a part of their life, and it's so amazing to me. 
And actually, I'm just touching on bits and pieces of my story. I want you to know I do have my story in book form uh, back at the table if anyone has interest. And if anyone wants to read the letter she wrote me, you don't have to buy a book. It's in the back of the book. You can just stand there and read it, you know. Uh, but that's in the very back of my book. But the reason I'm here and I share my story is because after I met my daughter, one day I was trying to have my daily quiet time, which wasn't always successful. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's days you're good at it, and then there's weeks you forget about it. You just don't have time. And so this was one of those successful days uh, where I showed up. I opened my Bible, and I had opened to Acts chapter 17, and it's the story where Paul is in Athens, and he sees this, there's a bunch of idols in an area, but he sees this one idol that's an engraved unknown God. So he calls everyone together, and he says, that idol there that says unknown God, I'm going to tell you who that unknown God is. And if you look at the front of your journal, you'll see the verse. I'm going to read this verse. This is what Paul said to the very religious people in Athens. He said, from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. All right. Take a deep breath. Isn't this awesome? You're alive. God has given you your breath. And have you ever thought about it that he planned for you to live now in this generation? He put you here for such a time as this. Paul goes on to say, God did this. God put you and I here. He gave us breath so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. And it was that little phrase that you see highlighted in black, seek him. I was like, wait a minute. This says that God created me to seek him. Well, if he wants me to seek him, what does that look like? What does that mean? And so I grabbed my dictionary to look up the word seek. So what does it mean to seek something? And here were the two definitions that stood out at me. To seek means to look intently. It doesn't mean just to look. It means to really look. Have you ever lost something that you've got to find? And I mean, you're turning everything upside down to find that thing. That's what it means to seek, to seek God. You're going after it. You've got to find him. The second definition was to want to find. That when you seek this thing, you want to find it. And all I can tell you was in that moment, a download came over my heart. And God spoke to me and he said, Anita, you ought to understand that word seek really good. You know how you wanted your daughter Twyla to seek you, to look for you, to want to find you. That is how I feel about all my children. I want them to look for me, to want to find me, and to look like, look intently. And then he said, and you know how you started a file with letters telling her how much you loved her and you wanted to be in a relationship with her? Uh, 
I have a file. These are my letters. The same reason you put letters in her file are the same reason I put letters in my file. I want all my kids to know how loved they are and how I want to be in their life. I want to be in relationship with them. But like you, I can't make them open the file. And you know what that feels like. And that's my problem. <laughs> I know what it felt like all those years thinking, what if she's struggling and she doesn't feel loved? And there's these letters telling her she's loved. And for the first time, I understood God's heart of love for me. That he's there and he's saying, I love you, but you got to open your file. you got to read the letters so you can be reminded of how much I love you. And I want to be in your life. But you see, here's the thing. In the same way, I couldn't make Twyla want to find me. I couldn't make her open the file and read those letters. I just had to wait. That is God right now. I want to ask you right now, I want you to be honest with yourselves. Have you made God wait? Are you struggling? Are you feeling lost? You're not loved. You're, you feel all these horrible things about yourself. Have you opened the file? Have you read the letters so that you can know that God wants to walk with you through your pain, through your journey, through your experience? But you see, he can't force you to open the file. Ever since I went through that experience and feeling that pain, do you know what? I'm just being honest here. I feel, I feel like I fail God every day. Like, I don't live perfectly. I get mad. I say unkind things. Uh, I'm just like you. We're all alike. And I feel like, how can I please God? But there's a verse in the Old Testament that says God is looking down. He's looking to see who is seeking him. And I'm like, I'm not perfect. But the one thing I can do is show him that I am seeking him. And so I show up every day to spend time getting to know him. And you see, he convicted me that day. He said, Anita, you don't read my letters, thank you girls, like you read hers. You see, I couldn't wait till her letters came. I read go to the mailbox every day looking for that letter. And I'd been a Christian too long. It's like I kind of took the Bible for granted and it was boring to me. I had to make myself read the Bible. And when you have to make yourself, that is homework. And God just said, why don't you read my letters like you read hers? Why don't you read my letters just for the joy? And this is why my ministry is called Joy Shot. Read for the joy of just knowing me. That's it. And you see, one of my favorite quotes by Oswald Chambers, he says... I hold in my hand the very thoughts of God. And I'd like to always challenge my audience, think about this. We get to hold God's thoughts in our hand, and either that's true or it's not. So we have to make up our mind. Do we think that's true or isn't it? And so I've decided to choose that it is his thoughts. 
And so when he convicted me that day, the very next day, I grabbed my Bible, I got a little journal, and I thought, well, if I want to know Jesus, I guess I'm going to start in the Gospels. So I thought, I'm going to start in Matthew. So I wrote Matthew 1 at the top of my journal, and I wrote to Jesus. I said, Jesus, what do you want me to know about you today? And I read Matthew chapter 1. And I'll never forget the three things I wrote that I learned that day. By just reading a chapter, I wrote, wow, you have a lot of relatives. Because that's how Matthew 1 starts out, listing all his relatives. The second thing I wrote down was, it says that you've come to save me from my sins. I need that. Thank you. And the third thing I wrote down, I said to him, I talked to him. I don't write about him. I talked to him. And I said, it says here that you came, that your name is Emmanuel, God with us. And I need to know every day that God is with me. So that began my journey of spending, starting every day time with Jesus. And here's the thing. He spoke into my heart. He said, Anita, I know you want to seek me, but you are not seeking me first. You know, Matthew 6, 33, in that preceding verses, Jesus is talking to the people about worry, and he's saying, why are you worrying about all this stuff? Instead of worrying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. And that's when I knew for most of my life I was a part-time seeker. A part-time seeker is the person who spends time reading the Bible when it's convenient, when it suits us. And I knew in that moment that's why I wasn't living an abundant life with God because I wasn't prioritizing the most important relationship I could possibly have. So I want you to grab your journals, and I'm going to tell you what we're going to do now. If you will turn to page, uh, let me see here, page three, where it says key verses to seeking God. I'm going to give you an assignment uh, for when you leave, leave here. I want you to understand that it's not me telling you to seek God, God's word. He's commanded us to seek him because he knows we won't do it if he doesn't command it. You know, it's just, you know, he wants what's best for us. So he's saying, seek me. I want you to read through all those verses. Take a highlighter or a, uh, a pen. And I want you to circle or highlight every promise you see if you seek him. For example, I'm just going to take the top verse, Deuteronomy. But if from there, and I like to put a line right there, if from today, when you leave creation, okay, if from today you seek the Lord your God, you look intently for him, here's the promise, you will find him. And there's that little important word, if, again, if you look for him with all your heart, and with all your soul. That's a promise. If you look for him, you are going to find him. So go through all those verses, and you will be so pumped when you see all the promises that are yours if you start really seeking him and looking for him. But now, so many people have told me, well, we don't know how to seek God. Like, what do I do when I open the Bible? It just, I don't even know where to begin. 
Well, I'm going to send you home with a plan to help you to know where to begin. But the next part of this session, which is on page nine, is called Setting Your Heart on Seeking God. I get this title from um, the Seeking Verses that, if you look back, you'll see there are several verses where we're told, set your heart on seeking God. And the definition for set means to be determined in advance, prepared for action. That's what I consider this next part. I'm wanting to prepare you for action. When you go home from here, to seek God with all your heart. So these things I'm going to share, they're just the tips. I call them my tips that helped me to, to move from a part-time seeker to a persistent seeker. Like now I don't want to miss my time with God. I, I've overcome because of these tips. So I'm just sharing. These are what helped me. So I'm going to go through them really fast. If any of you have Right Now Media, if your church has Right Now Media, I have a whole Bible study series on there called The Joy of Seeking God First. And this is one of the sessions on there where I really go into more detail. But we're just going to skim this today to just give you the key points. So here's the thing. If you want to set your heart on seeking God, it's going to start with number one. You've got to pray for the desire. This sounds crazy, but we only do what we desire to do. So start praying. Number one, ask God to give you the desire to want to know him. We are on page nine, just so everybody knows where we're at. Um, we're just going to fill in a few blanks here. So pray for the desire. Ask God to help you to want to know him. And I'm telling you, he will give you that desire. And you'll see under every point I have verses, but you can read them on your own. Number two, make the decision that you're going to meet with him daily. You see, if you don't ever make the decision, for sure, it will never happen. For example, I would always go to the dentist, and they, the hygienist, whatever you call her, hygienist would say, you need to floss your teeth. Now, I didn't say anything, but in my mind, I don't want to floss my teeth. You know, it takes time, right? And it feels clumsy when I do it, so I would not floss my teeth. Well, one night I ate a big bowl of popcorn, and I went to bed, and I could feel all the kernels in my teeth that get you know, got stuck. And so I was like, ooh, I don't like this. So I got out of bed, and I tried to floss my teeth. And you know what? I was so grossed out by everything that came out of my teeth, all the popcorn, that I haven't missed a night since. I floss every single night. It's that simple. And you see... We all have junk in our heart that we got to get flossed out. All you got to do is go on your smartphone and start watching everything on social, everything there, and you've got junk going on. And it is the word of God that is the floss that gets the junk out of our heart. And so just make that decision. I'm going to meet with him daily. And you know what? If you have success for a while and then you stop for a while, just start again. You just make the decision again. I'm going to meet with him daily. Number three. Oh, wait, one more point under there. Settle the issue of authority. Settle the issue of authority. I have that there because you got to decide who do I belong to? Who do, who's in control of my life? 
Do I want God to be in control of my life or do I want to be in control of my life? I'll tell you what, I was in control of my life for long enough to see how I messed it up. I want God in control of my life. So settle that issue. Who is in control of my life? Number three, decide the place and time that you're going to meet with Jesus. This is like a date with him. Like this is an important time. This is a special relationship. When you meet someone new and you want to get to know them, you call each other up or you text and you say, hey, let's meet at Starbucks at 3 o'clock because I want to get to know you. And it becomes a special meeting. And so I have found that tip to be so helpful for me. I know in my house, and it can be anywhere, but for me, I don't work outside the home. I have a spot in my house that is my place where I'm going to meet with Jesus every day because I love him. And I want to spend time with him. And I know what time I'm going to do it. For me, I do it first thing in the morning because if I don't do it then, it doesn't happen. And you do not have to do that. The point is not when. The point is when are you at your best? When are you at your best? That's the time you need to give to Jesus. Now, I promote early morning, and I have a couple quotes, uh, verses there. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. Uh, Bruce Wilkinson said, unless you get up early, you're unlikely to break through to a deeper relationship with God. Fill in the blank. A deeper relationship with God. I'm not trying to force you into early morning. I just have that statement there because it was true in my life. I found that if I did not get up early, it just didn't happen. Therefore, my relationship didn't grow deeper. Does that make sense? So again, this isn't about you have to do it first thing. It's when you're at your best. I just know if I don't do it first, it doesn't happen typically. Uh, The next statement under point number three I have in there is watch out for that Sunday morning lie. The Sunday morning lie. For years, I never met with Jesus Sunday mornings because why would I do that? I'm going to church, right? Uh, And I realized it wasn't long until he spoke into my heart and said, Anita, I want to meet you every morning. And so I don't skip Sundays. And, you know, when I tra- my husband and I, he's retired. We travel a lot. He has a Harley-Davidson. We travel all over the country. And we stay in a lot of hotels and places. And the first thing I do when I go into a hotel is I scope out. Where am I going to meet Jesus? You know, because I take it that it's the best part of my day. It is just the best part of my day. Um, okay, number four, allow sufficient time with him. So now I have this in here. Uh, If you don't give him time, you're never going to get to know him. I'm sorry, give me your name again. I know we talked. Brenda, that's right. Brenda's from my area. Yeah, Lancaster. We've met before. She's heard me speak, and we do know each other. But we haven't talked since we last saw each other. So if from here today, Brenda and I say, hey, every day, let's just talk in the morning for 15, 20 minutes, uh, because this is cool. And we do that for an entire year. How much more will I know here a year from now than I do today? You see, we put in time, we're going to know him. And that's what I love about telling you this. You can know God as much as you want. But it's up to you how much time you're going to give him. So I'm just going to throw out a little starting point for you. I suggest to... Say, I'm going to give God like 20 to 30 minutes every day. Now, if you just heard that little voice say, is she nuts? 
I don't have 20 to 30 minutes to give God. Next little blank under that verse. You just heard the no time lie from the thief who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. You will never have time to be in God's word. Just trust me. You will never have the time. He will always keep you busy, distracted. And if you don't remember anything else, please remember that the thief who is out to steal, kill, and destroy, I just personally feel, at least the way he robbed me of life, was he kept me too distracted, too busy. I didn't prioritize time with God. See, he doesn't want us impacting anybody. He doesn't want us turning anybody to God. So if he can keep you out of the word, I hate to say this, it's going to be hard for you to bear fruit for the kingdom. I mean, that's just how it is. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying when you spend time with him, you radiate him. And he doesn't want that. Satan doesn't want that. And so if you're worried about your family, like if any of your, you don't have kids that are walking with the Lord or your spouse isn't walking with the Lord or there's someone you work with that's not walking in the Lord, listen, if you're not eating properly, you're not going to look healthy. It's just how it is. Spend time with God and you will start benefiting. And uh, his joy will come to you. And you will impact those people without saying a word. In fact, I felt God told me to put duct tape over my mouth. He said, stop worrying about your kids, your, your husbands, everybody's spiritual life. You got your own issues. Uh, you seek me. Don't worry about anyone else. And that's what I started doing. I thought I can't do it for anyone else, but I can seek God. And hopefully my life will cause others to want to seek God. And that is how I live. Okay, let's turn the page. Just a few more tips here. Thank you. Number five, you got to have a plan. I have found for years that if I didn't have a plan in place, I wasn't very successful spending time with him. So I'm going to introduce a plan to you before we leave here today that you can take home to get you started. I do sell a $2 plan back there that uh, will get you through the Bible in a year. If you would like that simple plan to take home with you, I have that back there. But you're going to go home today with a plan that will last you 21 days or longer. Uh, Okay, Uh, number six, keep a daily written record of what God is doing in your life. In other words, uh, for all the years I had a quiet time with God, I never really took the time to respond by writing in a journal. Number one reason, it took time. And I don't have time to do that, you know? Uh, But I realized that in responding, I listen better. If I know I'm going to write a thought back to God, I listen better when I'm reading. And so that's why I have this quote under there that says, journaling brings a sense of intimacy and reality to our relationship with an invisible God. Journaling brings a sense of intimacy and reality to our relationship with an invisible God. In the same way, I had never seen Twyla, never met her, but me writing letters to her made her feel real to me until I met her face to face. 
and I've found that true in my relationship with God. As I sit and write to him, not about him, I, I talk to him, I write to him. Some days it's just a sentence, some days it's paragraphs, some days I don't write. But mostly my heart is to write back to him because that makes the relationship feel more real and more intimate. Number seven, share what you have learned with someone. As you spend time with God and his word, he is going to teach you things that he's going to want you to share with others. And you don't have to go around saying, i got to share this with you. He will bring the people to you that will say, I'm struggling with such and such. And he'll be like, oh, well, I have something to tell you that I read today in God's word that will help you. See, I don't have great words, but God's word offers help to everyone. I'd rather speak his words than my words any day. And so uh, just know that that is a benefit of spending time with him. Last quote under this part, Hudson Taylor, who was one of the, uh, the greatest missionaries that we know of, or that I know of anyway, to China. This came from his autobiography, so I'll repeat it a couple times because it's long, but he says, an easygoing, that's what goes in the first blank, an easygoing, non-self, denying life will never be one of power. I'll repeat that. An easygoing, non-self-denying life will never be one of power. You see, if you don't have time for God and his word, you will never experience the power of God in your life. So you see, that's why I have the next blank that says my cost. For me to experience God in closeness and to experience his power in ministry, it costs me, I don't watch TV, and I give up some sleep. And you know what I say to that? Big whoop. That is not a cost at all, to be honest. And so it is going to cost you to know Jesus better. But for us that live in America, we have it pretty easy. It's just going to cost you some time. And we all have time. So those are my tips. Uh, take, remember, you got to keep this book so that when you struggle, go over these tips, all right? But now I'm going to talk about the plan that I'm going to send you home with. It's called the 21-Day Challenge, and it's the next page, page 11. So this is just a simple way to help people to know where to begin when they sit down. They say, okay, I want to seek God. I want to try this, see what it's like. So here are four simple things as a guide for you. When you sit down with your Bible, the first thing you do is you pray. That's the request. You pray and say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, will you help me learn from you today? I need help. Reveal yourself to me. Just ask him for help. He knows what you need, so ask him for help. The second thing is just read. Read the chapter. Like for the 21-day challenge, it's going to be a chapter of John every day. But it doesn't have to be a whole uh, chapter. It can just be some verses. But read your assignment for the day. And then under reflect, 
I have uh, six points there. And you can pick which one you want to use. You don't have to do them all. You can do them all. Uh, or you can just pick the ones that you like. But this is just to give you started with some questions that you can ask yourself as you read. Now, to me, the number one thing is uh, point number two. Jesus, what do you want me to know about you today? To me, that's the most important thing. As you go through John, you'll see it in here. John is printed out for you every day. Day one, you see the whole chapter of John, and then I have these points listed there. But the most important thing I want you to do is say, Jesus, what do you want me to know about you today? And just read it. And then write down what you learn about him. And then under response number four, that's just my time of after I've reflected on his word, I, I have different ways of responding to him. And you can just read through that. Um, but I respond, and that's usually when I write back to him uh, or I pray and thank him, whatever. Now today, turn to the next page, 12. We have eight minutes. I know I could go a little over, but uh, I want to respect your time. But we have, uh, I'm going to maybe go two minutes over if you're okay with that. Uh, but what we're going to do is have a little practice session. Here's John 15. I'm going to give you like five minutes to read that passage. And then on the next page, 13, you see some questions. Uh, but what I'm going to ask you to do, you read that passage. Just uh, look for the repeated words that you see there. And... Just see what God says to you. What do you learn about Jesus in that passage? And then we might talk about it just briefly. I might have you share your comments if you want to. But the reason I always have this as the practice session is because Jesus is with his, the, his disciples that he loves so much. He knows he's going to be dead in 24 hours, but they don't. And this is what he tells them, that he wants them to remember while he's gone. And I want you to take that home with you today. What he wants you to remember while he's gone. This is so important. So I'm going to shut up now. And uh, I give you uh, just a five minutes. Read through it quietly. And just whatever jumps out at you, highlight it or mark it down. And then we will end our session. Well, it's 3 o'clock, and I wish I had more time, but <laughs> it's okay. I hope you got just a little taste of just taking a few moments to spend time with Jesus. And if you would be willing to just bless me here briefly, uh, anybody have anything that you just want to share that, did you note some repeated words? Was there a verse that struck you that was you'd never really saw before or thought about. Uh, is anyone willing to bl bless us with sharing something that stood out to you? Okay, back here. Can you say it louder? Because we can't hear you. Okay, she noticed, the Holy Spirit brought to her the notice of how many times he said, this is my command, love one another. Just think if the whole world just listened to that command, 
what our world would be like today. Really? That simple. Love one another. Yes. And then I'll get you. Yeah? Exactly. She said no branch that stood out to her can bear fruit by themselves. And you see so many times, I don't know about you, but I'm trying, I want to bear fruit, you know, and I can't do it, you know, apart from the other big repeated word, which was what? Remain in me. Who else? Had, did you have your hand up? Yes. She said what stood out to her where he said, you know, love me. And sometimes as believers, I feel, at least I do, I complicate my spiritual life. I just am so worried. Oh, I need to be this. I need to do that. Whatever. When all he's saying is just love me. And as a mother that has four adult children, nothing makes me feel more loved than when one of my children just comes to hang out with me a little bit. And my kids aren't perfect, but I love them unconditionally. And that's how we show love to God is when we just show up, hang out with him a little bit. He is so blessed by that. He loves it. He loves us more than we know. So thank you for mentioning that. Anyone else want to share something? Yes. All right. Did you hear that? If you obey his commands, you remain in his love, and then you have joy. In fact, verse 11, if he says, uh, somebody read verse 11 for me. Well, wait, I have a mic. I have it here. Sorry. Jesus says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Well, what's the this? I had to ask myself when I read, what did he tell me so I could have his joy? And you go back to the preceding verses, and that's when you find out. He says, you know, be a branch. Remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Love one another. See, he's telling you and I how to have joy. He's telling us. It's not a secret. We just got to show up with him. Now, I, you can tell. I could go on and on and on. Uh, but I'll stop today. Uh, unless somebody else feels compelled. Does somebody else have a word for us? <laughs> yes, back here. The remain. Exactly. It's so simple. He says, remain in me. He says, remain in my word and remain in my love. And to remain, I looked up that word in the Greek dictionary, and it means to abide, like to dwell, to hang with him. That's my modern translation, to just hang with him. Now, I have to wrap this up, but if any of you have family members or friends that you would like to do the 21-day challenge with to keep you accountable, I have plenty of journals here. They are free. Please come up here. The girls will give them to you. Take as many. If you have a youth group, please take them and encourage the, your friends and family to do the 21-day challenge and see what happens uh, in your home or your community. You all have blessed me. Thank you so much for coming. When you're a speaker, you don't know if anyone's going to show up. You know? <laughs> so uh, thank you for blessing me and allowing me to encourage you and equip you and my sweet volunteers back here who have served me faithfully uh, reminded me of two things. 
In the back of the book, there is an evaluation form. If you want to fill it out, you don't have to, but if you do, there's a basket. But I always tell everyone, don't put your address in there if you don't want to get a letter from me. You know, because once a year, I'm a nonprofit. People support my ministry so I can hand out the journals free. And so once a year, I send out a letter. And uh, so if you do that part, you will get my letter. And uh, the other thing is their moms involved with the moms in prayer thing. If there's anybody who's been feeling led to start that uh, in their school setting, see the girls. They have a little pamphlet for you. Let me pray over you, and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, I thank you. We love you so much. That's why we're here in all of our imperfections and all the ways we've, we know we fall short. Um, and yet that's why you came. That's why you died on the cross to cover all of our shortcomings. Thank you that that was done once and for all and that we can rest in your love now because of what you did for us at the cross. We love you. We thank you. And now I pray that you create in each heart that is here a super hungry, a desire, a hunger, desire to know you like never before. And then create the discipline to just do it, to just open our Bible and get started by spending time with you. Uh, and starting with John, just bless their hearts and as they spend time with you, may they feel stronger and closer to you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.